1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Ryan Aber. We've got to talk about the first week, a little plus, week plus of USC fall camp. And just to let everyone know, I just came from a little retirement party. So if you guys know Tim Tesalone, uh, the longtime USC SID, was at USC for over 45 years. Gary Klein, who, a good friend of mine, he was uh, the LA Times beat writer for many years. He kind of organized a going away party over in Hermosa beach. So he just came from that. So just want to give a shout out to Tim. I told him I had to leave. I'm sorry, but a lot of like beat writers from the local area there, like Lindsay theory, who used to work on the beat. Uh, you guys might know her from the websites and stuff. Colin Coward showed up a bunch of people. So it was a lot of fun. So uh, just coming from that, but we had to do the show. We have to do the show. Now, Chris Trevino, he didn't show up. You know, that's, it's, it's kind of rough. I just came from a party and Chris didn't show up. You know what we do? We, we have instead, we have RJ Abadia who's been working on the site for a couple of years now. Never been on any of the shows. He's like wondering, am I getting invited to one of these? <laughs> RJ's here. We got RJ in studio right now. We got shotgun, uh, back on the East coast, still bandaged up from, from last week. But first of all, RJ, thank you for uh, joining the show and being able to talk. He's been out to practice all the time. So we want to talk to you a little bit, but welcome RJ to the show.
0: No, it's great. I, uh, I'm looking at this as potentially Chris's a Wally Pit moment right here. <laughs> I know he was, he was just finding his groove too. And I mean, he's still here in spirit. Oh, I'll
1: show, hold on. Yeah, I'll show everyone. You, gotta... you can see
0: his chair there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Chrissy T's chair is still there. Yeah. Over the shoulder as he, as he appears so often in certain content around here.
1: But thanks for coming in uh, RJ. I appreciate you being here. You can follow him on Twitter at RJ underscore Abadia. And we got shock on Spratling. No longer in studio. We miss you here, Shadi, but uh, I'm glad you're coming in from the local studio. We got to hear your roommate uh, talking about something about doing laundry like during the intro. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> but how are you doing, Shoddy? <laughs>
2: I'll just throw me out of the bus, you know, as soon as you can. Be this is uh, this is quite the uh, the Ryan introduction as always. Um, I'm doing okay. I got my stitches removed from the head, so definitely going to be some scarring there. Oh. This is why you don't take on helmets without a helmet on. Yeah, uh, that's what I always say. Or maybe it was the Zion Williamson, you know, elbow that I received while you know do, you know helping out with some po- with his post moves. I don't know which one it was. You know the story varies each time I tell it, so uh, you know. But yeah, I've still got to, still got some stuff to to deal with here. But yeah, I'm, I'm playing injured. I'm I, not hurt, Ryan I'm injured, but I'm still playing through.
1: Yeah, rub some dirt on it, right? Just move on. and We're just gonna go. Uh, maybe not on your head, especially when the stitches are involved. But hopefully, uh, you're feeling better. Sorry, you know, I had the recent head injury as well. You know, but, you know, so these self inflicted things. I wish it was a helmet. The helmet contact. It was not. Uh, but anyway, so introductions aside, did want to say, uh, you know, you guys both worked with Tim. I just wanted to say congratulations to Tim. So it, I think it was 45 years. It was something like that. And uh, we had planned to sort of, um, you know, Gary Klein and Lindsay sort of, they ba- basically told Tim and his wife, Trudy, like, hey, show up for dinner um, at, we went to Colin Coward's restaurant in Hermosa Beach, uh, the bruise Hall. And they were just going to show up to dinner with them. And Lindsay and her, I know her husband Todd and they they just had a baby they were all thinking of this intimate dinner Tim shows up and all these former sports like Tj Simers was there like all these people that you you might have known from from back in the day and uh it was it was kind of a cool moment but uh, I just want to you know say congratulations to Tim uh we'll still see him around every once in a while but uh his this is the the official end of his era and he you know he'd covered USc for so many years you know went to USc his kids were all there and stuff so I don't know, do you guys have any Tim memories you want to throw out there before we jump on the show?
2: I mean, the first thing is that now we get to be excited when we see Tim, other than me, like, (laughs) trying to turn and go the other way, because I'm probably doing something, trying to cross that line just a little bit too far and, you know, getting, uh, you know, the death stare or something. So, uh, you know, it's it's fun. And uh, congratulations to Tim on, you know, such a, a storied career at USC. And, you know, he's so much fun to pick his brain because of so what USC football he has seen in that time that he has been at USC, there's so many great memories there. And uh, you know, when you get him one on one, you get to hear some of the, the stories that aren't on the record, and you know, some of the stories of, of guys and, and find out a little bit more about them, the guys you grew up watching, the guys that you know were you know at the, at USC at the same time I was at USC. Those type of things, and you know, hearing the backstory on some of those is really fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I guess i have the unique perspective of being able to say as a opposing media member he was also <laughs> excellent and very good and i i think it's weird right because we just had the passing of Vince scully and you know in a way tim Tessalone maybe not was the voice of usc but like shotgun said he's like the encyclopedia of usc he's seen everything knows every and to have someone like that who um, is both good at their job but also friendly and amiable and at least you know until you cross him according to shotgun but um no i mean I, I was always treated right by him and you guys know there's a huge difference in in your experience doing this kind of job when you have someone who's good in his position and someone who's not so very grateful for the limited exposure i had uh dealing with him
1: yeah so if you don't know rj covered stanford for for years and stuff too so he's uh, he's been on the stanford beat for a while but he was an la guy dodgers guy and uh, we end up hire him on a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. So shout out to Tim. Thanks uh, for all the members. Yeah. If you needed something like, Hey Tim, uh, there was this guy in like 1985 that was like, can I get a photo of him for something? And he'd be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Here's who you go. Here's who you talk to. Like he was an encyclopedia of all that stuff. Uh, all right. So we do got to talk about this current USC football team. If you guys don't, Oh, what do you got shot? Real quick, Ryan, yeah. i
2: getting people are saying in the YouTube comments, they can't hear me very well. You turned me down before the show. I think it's time to turn me back up and let me breathe at full volume.
0: Okay. They are can't they, hear you very well. Are I they will... complaining that they can't hear you, or are they just confirming oh, that always, they can't? Always, Okay. All right. fair.
1: Uh, enough. Here, I'll turn you up a little bit there. Um, well, sorry about that. Yeah, so I'll work on that stuff as we go. But uh, we've been a little bit more than a week of USC um, fall camp practices, and uh, there's been a lot going on as far as, like, Injuries and things. Maybe we'll start with that. Uh, there, you know, we don't get to watch. If you if you don't know, we're not able to watch the entire practices again. But we can watch the first, you know, twenty thirty minutes. We can see the stretching, and they'll do like position drills. And we get a, a, a pretty good vantage of what those are. When it gets competitive, we don't get to see uh, that anymore. But you know, we've been able to put up a bunch of good footage of, you know, there's we just put up some highlights from the Coliseum guys catching passes and things like that. You can see all that. We'll keep putting up more footage and photos and, and, and things like that. Uh, But it's been, you know, it's limited, but I still, I think you can kind of get a feel for what these guys look like. Uh, It's a lot better than not seeing any of the practice at all, but it would be great to see one-on-ones and and some of those kind of battles. But you do walk in and you can see who's on the the rehab Island and which guys aren't dressed and and things like that. Uh, RJ, do you want to give like a kind of an update on what's going on on the injury situation?
0: Well, I mean, obviously, the last practice we were at was Friday. They're scrimmaging right now, so that, that's the timeliness of this. But basically, I think the two, the two big names would be Shane Lee and Corey Foreman. And Corey Foreman spent most of the week not even on the premises, not even in sight. And he showed up on Friday's practice, um, not a participant, not you know in pads or anything like that. But he's back and Lincoln Riley did address it directly at the end of at the end of Friday, saying that he expected Corey Foreman to be back um, pretty soon. And then Shane Lee had an interesting week because in our three practices he kinda alternated. He was around on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. And then the middle practice that we observed, the last Coliseum practice, I think he wasn't. And oh, no, it's the other way around. he wasn't practicing Monday. He was back on a Wednesday, and then we saw him walking through that kind of back tunnel entrance area or that back gate um, with all the rest of the non-participants. So he's been kind of up and down, but you know, to hear Lincoln Riley talk about it, none of this stuff is super concerning past Jude Wolf at this point.
1: Uh, all right. Thank you for that one, RJ. Uh, was there any, I think that was about.
2: Well, quick the... update on Jude Wolf. Uh, Jude Wolf, we had seen him, you know, you guys have seen him in the boot. Uh, he was in a cart later in the week. Um, and Lincoln Riley confirmed he's going to be having surgery through sources. Chris Trevino was able to to pinpoint that injury as a broken foot uh, that he's going to probably miss. Sounds like around half the season, and you know, granted, with a broken foot, it's okay. Once you can get back, then how long does it take you to get back in football shape? And then, can you crack that tight end rotation? Because I think that's going to be one of the more intriguing positions um, with with some of the guys and them asking them to do the tight asking the tight ends to do different things than they were doing previously. They aren't just a big receiver anymore. They're going to actually be asked to block. They're going to be asked to do. You know, they're going to ask them to, to run routes from the, the actual tight end spot and try to get them on linebackers, do things like that. So I think that that's going to be a much different position than it was at the end of last year, where it looked like Lake McCree was probably the guy going forward and they just didn't want to burn his red shirt in the final game. Well, now Eric Hook being gone, Hoot steps up and takes over that start role. roll, and I think it could be anybody. I think that's very a very intriguing spot, and I think Malcolm Epps is a guy to watch if he can catch the ball more consistently this season, I think if he's in, in, involved in the offense more, that lends itself to, you know, being able to be focused a little bit better. He could be an, a really intriguing weapon for USC because he's a 6'6", running almost 22 miles an hour. So, you know, I, I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. But the tight end position loses one body there. And so they'll have to, you know, figure out the rotation there. That's something that's going to be a battle throughout the camp. Uh, and, and Malcolm F. said he thinks that, you know, that group could be the best in the country. Now, I wouldn't go that far because you look at Georgia's tight ends with Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, those two just to being at the top of a, of a depth chart, you know, tells me that those are the guys that you would want uh, as your number one group. But after that, you know, it's kind of an open door for anyone in the country. And who's to say USC's tight ends can't be better? And we'll see what they can do. We saw the catch that Josh Follow made a couple, uh, you know, earlier this week or was it last week? Just a- incredible showing his athleticism, what he can do. And he, he said, I, I want to get back out there and show people then I'm still on the team. He says, I think people have forgotten about me not being on this team. So the tight end group is one I'm definitely keeping an eye on, but they lose a big piece with Jude Wolf going down, a guy that's more of that hybrid guy that can play some H-back and can block and catch the ball as well. So, you know, what do they value in that position? What ends up being the determining factor to get somebody on the field uh, will be really interesting the first couple games to see with, with that tight end position and, you know, versus two really different defenses in Rice and Stanford. So that's the big injury news so far. But are there are a couple other nagging injuries that are a little bit concerning, I think. I, I think one that, you know, the obviously the Peristyle is really uh, questioning is Solomon Tuli Alapupu because that's everyone on the Peristyle's favorite guy. But he missed a couple practices. But according to Lincoln Riley, as RJ said, none of the other injuries outside of Jude Wolf are ones that are concerned for the beginning of the season or anything like that. So now it's just, hey, once the guys get some bumps and bruises, how quickly can you get back out there and try to earn your spot? Because everything is an open comp- competition right now.
1: Yeah, the I, I'm a I'm a big Malcolm Epps guy, and we just put up a story up on uscfootball.com, uh on him. I just feel like there's he's going to have a breakout season, but there's potential there. You know, if you get a Lake McCree back. Uh, Josh Follow, like you said, kind of a forgotten person. Um, you know, if Jude Wolf, you know, probably not a second, he'll probably be a second half of the season guy. We don't know how much the tight ends are going to get used, but if, if like a, a Malcolm Epps or, you know, or Josh Follow are playing really well, they're going to be he- heavily involved, I think, in in this offense. So that's kind of a curious thing to watch. The whole, the weird thing with the, some of the couple of the injuries, not having a Solomon Tule a Pupo out there. Um, Corey Foreman, not being out there. I filmed those guys like kind of next to each other at Friday's practice, just kind of doing warmups on the side. And it's like two fan favorites of the U S you know, the pair style. like two guys that they really want to see. And then neither one of them being able to participate in practice. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley kind of talked about a little bit. It's, it's tough. You know, like those are guys you just want to see out there. And there's, there's so much potential. If Solomon Tulayapupu doesn't make a big impact this year, I don't know what the fans on the Paris are going to do. RJ, I think they're really waiting for him to do something. I'm just not sure what they're going to – I don't know what's going to happen if he's not able to
0: play. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because I've been a lot around a lot of injury situations where a guy who is kind of repeatedly victimized, the fan base is not afraid to turn on a guy like that. It you know It goes from we're sorry about this guy being hurt and we really can't wait to – get him back to, you know, if you have a third or fourth year of that type of experience, it just becomes, oh, well, he can't stay healthy or anything like that. And I haven't gotten any of that sentiment from the peristyle or anyone else. Like people really are fully supporting him and kind of, you know, Corey Foreman as well. I think the interesting thing when you talk about those two guys, you're talking about guys who going into the rice game as of right now, I think most of us would say are not at the top of the depth chart. So this would have been, or this in theory is their opportunity to make progress going up that list. And, you know, every day that they miss is, is a day that they miss to, to do that. And then the other part of it is, you know, I know there's a lot of expectations for this team and and the hype and the optimism and everything is, you know, sky high at this point. But you got to remember this roster has played zero football games together. So this training camp is the first time for all of these guys who in theory are going to be the main players on the team to be playing. So while these injuries are not serious, and if a guy misses a day or he misses two days in the big, big picture, maybe it's not the end of the world, but I think it's a little bit more of an issue for a USC team that has no game experience under their belts as a group, and they don't have a lot of reps. I mean, Honestly, when you look at the transfers, who's to even say who the starting 11 defense is going to be for USC at this point? So I think, it's, I think it's a little bit of a bigger issue than it would be in a, in a normal situation. But ultimately, the fact that these guys are going to be coming back and they're being held out in caution, you know, preemptively, is probably going to serve USC well as the season goes on.
1: Yes, we'll keep you guys up to date on what's going on uh, with the injury front. This week, we'll be able to go to practice on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, I believe, to check things out. Offensive players, defensive players, and then... Um, you know, only Lincoln Riley on Saturday. Tonight they're supposed to be having a scrimmage that we are not uh, allowed to be at, so they're back in the Coliseum. I didn't think they were going to go back to the Coliseum. They did uh, like f- they, they did the first practice at Howard Jones, and then four, I believe it was four practices in a row. We got to go to a couple of them uh, over at the Coliseum, and they're doing a scrimmage there tonight. So Lincoln Riley kind of talked about that last time we talked to him, which was I think was on uh, Friday, but. Um, Shadi, anything else from fall camp sort of standing out to you that, uh, that you've seen that's kind of caught your eye or anything?
2: I mean, the first thing is the first Saturday scrimmage is one of the best practices the entire year when they were open to the media. So I'm very disappointed, especially with it being under the lights at the Coliseum, uh, what, what I believe is the case. So I'm just disappointed not being there because that's when you see, okay, who's actually put in that work where are people lined up as far as on the depth chart and stuff? You get your first real feel of it and just not to have that information. I'm, I'm a little antsy right now. I'm not seeing that. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, there's we've had some questions about physicality and, you know, the injuries. I'm not that concerned about the injuries right now. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, you know, what we've taken away and what I've said a couple times so far is, and it continues every time you hear the players talk, is that everyone seems to be bought in. Everyone seems to be going towards the same goal, and everyone is saying all the right things and saying the things that make you think, wow, maybe the culture is actually there rather than it just being something that's said. You know, it sounds like, and you're know, listening to the sound bites, and again, this is USC putting it out there. It's the USC propaganda, what they're putting out on social media, but the sound bites of Lincoln Riley talking to the team that are accompanying some of the social media, all the right things are being said right now. Again, You know, the the famous Mike Tyson quote, you know, everybody has a plan until they're punched in the face. But I think that you're seeing that this team may actually be together. And with the collection of talent they have, if they are together, this could be a unique and special group this season. Obviously, and I think RJ pointed out a great point. We have no clue who the starting 11 on the defense is going to be. We may know four or five, you know, and have some guesses on a couple more. But you know it, it's it's going to be interesting when they first line up against Rice. Who's taking that field first, and then how long are you out there? Are you are you a full time starter? Or are you in a rotation? You know how is it? All those things I'm you know super interested to see when I chart that first game. Just how the breakdown of the play the the playing time goes, and then how that kind of changes week two, week three as USC you know goes to Stanford and then you know has another you know bye game in Fresno State but with a difficult uh, opponent there. I I think that it's going to just be really fascinating to see how this team plays the first couple of weeks of the season. But it seems like so far, so far, so good. And, you know, everything that you could ask for as far as the coaching staff and having everybody on the same page, things that you would be concerned about in a first year, especially with so many new players coming in, they seem to be on top of everything. You know, they've all the small details and, you know, the, Chris has mentioned multiple of these in the in the uh, ghost notes each day, but small details and how they're being addressed, uh, whether it be the tackling, whether it be in those individual drills, those type of things really seems like this coaching staff is on top of it. And it makes you wonder what USC could have been the last you know half decade if they were on top of all those small details throughout all those years as well.
1: Yeah, they were not on top of a lot of those details. So just a much better run organization. And, man, Shadi, you just talking about your charting, get gets me excited for the season. Like, I got to read Shadi's charts about who was playing, why they only had nine guys in on a PAT attempt, things like that. I love all that stuff. So I can't, I can't wait till we get back into this.
2: Well, then, Ryan, you better make sure you're a subscriber. That's VIP content.
1: Boom. Go <laughs> check it out. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to USAFootball.com, you got to get in there right now, a dollar for your first month. You can just do it. It's really easy. Just jump in there uh, and you get 30% off if you want to do an annual subscription. So it's a great deal. So hopefully you go check it out if you're not already a subscriber. We had a few, uh, we had some guys in the, the chat saying smash the like button. Of course, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Troy, smash that like button. You just hit it once. Just make sure you hit it once. That's great. Uh, but subscribe to our channel if you haven't done it. If you're watching on Facebook, thank you guys for doing that. Hope you can like the channel. Make sure if you're on Facebook, if you want to get those notifications, I think you can opt into the live notifications. So when we go live, which will be twice a week during the season, you'll get a notice on your phone. Hey, the guys are going live and go check that out. And if you're watching on uh, Twitter as well, we do Twitter live too. So thank you for doing that. I'll be able to put, I put some comments up, up on the screen from Facebook and YouTube. And I want to put some questions up. And we do have a question from Facebook from Mike. What about the new punter? Uh... Any, what do you, any of you guys want to jump in? They got a new punter wearing number 42 out there. Australian guy. He actually exists. Uh, what's his name? Aiden. What's his At name? Like, we're not. Aiden Sleep Colton, right? Aiden Sleep Dalton. Dalton. Okay. Hey, Colton. I was like, I was close on that one. Uh, no. I looked him up online and it was A-I-D-E-N. But then USC has him as A-A-D-Y-N. Yeah, it was like it was a little bit different. But... Uh, We've seen him in person. Chris took a picture or a video of him walking out of the tunnel. He is an actual person that exists and walks the earth, breathes, eats, all those kind of things. We weren't sure about Atticus Bertrams. We never saw anything about that. And so we actually know Aiden exists, so that's cool. We don't know how his name is spelled exactly. Wow. Whoa, but- whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. Right. have you seen his identification? Do we know this is actually him, not an impersonator, an, impersonator, an imposter filling in a uniform? We don't know that for sure. We don't know.
1: He looks like he could be from <laughs> Lock and Yacht or something. So, I don't know. Maybe he's not from Australia. <laughs> so, he looked like a yeah, surfer dude from Lock and yacht. Um, But they have an Australia punter. They got a guy. And he's actually on the team potential there. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Lincoln Riley said they were going to try to fix this. and uh, Or, you know, they had some sort of plan in place. So, let's looks like the plan.
2: I, I don't know if you guys... If you guys were able to see many punts, uh, you know, see if the guys got a leg or not. I don't know. That would be up to you guys. Is unfortunately, I'm so far away here over here on the East Coast, not getting a chance to to view any of that that pre practice, early practice, punt time, special teams time, or are we even getting special teams time early in the practice?
1: Yeah, we're, there's a little bit of return stuff, uh, but I don't think they're really trying to like punt or kick or anything. So we don't get to see any of that more. But I feel like so apparently. It was a little issue getting his visa from Australia, so he flew to, like, London, was there for a week, and then came to the United States. So it was kind of a, you know, it wasn't the, the, the most, it wasn't like a complete A to B kind of thing to get here. Um, so pro- I'm, I'm guessing this week we're going to see, well, we won't be able to see, but it will be a little more from him. We can ask Lincoln Riley how he's doing uh, in practice because we don't get really watch that stuff anymore. I guess we could kind of sit outside and just watch and see how punts, how high they go or something. But is <laughs> that something that's above the fence? You could kind of see that.
0: Um, yeah. Any thoughts, RJ? I mean, it's a zero sum game, right? And <laughs> and as much as we've gained and as much as we think USC's gaining by what they're doing in practice, I will say last year, I've never seen a program more committed to special teams uh, allocation <laughs> in terms of practice time and I think pretty clearly that's gone down a little bit to say the least um, I will say that I had been told that they were and are very happy with the job that Will Rose has been doing so I don't necessarily know I, I mean we'll see what uh, what Sleep Dalton what a great name to just say uh, we'll see how much of a competition it ends up being and how it's going but I think um, yeah I mean it seems like There hasn't been as much of a, in terms of quantity, time on special teams as as last year. But Will Rose did say when he talked this past week that there was a lot more specialization in terms of the attention that each of the specialists were getting, that he was getting kind of one-on-one specific punting instruction. The long snapper was getting specialized long snapping instruction, um, which I think is a step forward and a step in the right direction. And nobody likes to talk about special teams. No one gets excited about it, but you know, it's a cliche. That's a cliche for a reason. And I think all, I think both of you can definitely think of games where USC, USC special teams put a serious crimp on, on their attempts to win.
2: Yeah. I just think back to the Texas game where it was god awful um, at Texas, where a lot of things didn't go well that game, but special teams was especially uh, porous in that game. Uh, one thing about Aiden Sleep Dalton, he is—I don't know if this is that if he's a cousin or a younger brother—but he is related to Michael Sleep Dalton. I don't know if any of y'all remember that name. He he punted at Arizona State and then eventually grad transferred to I believe Iowa. Um, and you know he averaged—I think it was uh, looking up his stats here—he averaged forty-one point seven yards uh, his final season at Arizona State. So you know at least some genetics that will, will carry that should carry over that you know he at least knows what he does, he's doing it's not like he's coming over here completely fresh there is someone in the family where he can you know at least reach out to and probably talk to and say you know get get some pointers on just making that transition from Australia being a pro kick guy you know just like Ben Griffiths was a pro kick guy um you know just making that transition and doing that he also uh, Michael Sleep Dalton went to the city of uh city city college of san francisco which is where previous punter from usc who i'm blanking on his name i see his face but before the punter before ben griffiths uh the usc got also was from so you know there are some connections there for aiden sleep dalton coming in i know a lot of people i'm just going to go ahead and say we're going to stop with the punter talk because people are complaining (laughs) you don't want to talk about
1: the punter punter talk i know there you
2: go except you were going into a season with no starter, and Will Rose. I don't, I don't. I'm not buying anything they said about Will Rose. No offense to Will Rose, but he wasn't very good in the spring. Um, so I'm going to take the last time where we could visually see him in the spring game, uh, and it wasn't very good. Now maybe he's made some drastic improvements, and that's what the strength and conditioning co- uh, program is supposed to do for everyone. Maybe even a punter, but you know you don't want to be trusting a guy that hasn't really cracked the rotation, and you could tell a very visible difference between Ben Griffiths and Will Rose at practice previously you wouldn't want that guy to be the guy you're trusting because when you get in a close game, that ten yards that fifteen yards on a punt can be you know can be drastically change the positioning when a team's trying to get in field goal range or whatever it may be. Uh, you Can you put, pin somebody down. all those small things that no one really wants to focus on, but those extra yards, those lost yards that USC lost a lot of in the past, whether it be through penalties, whether it be through, you know, just struggles from the specialists and different things like that, those things add up. And that's why we're talking about the punter. But we're going to skip it from now and tell you that he is on campus. He is a part of the program. And we'll see where USC goes from here with their punter
1: position. Yeah, USC's not going to need to punt that much anyway. It'll be fine. Remember, remember I always talk like the Tom Malone days. Like Tom Malone was like leading the nation in like average punt yards, but he didn't get enough punts to uh, qualify for the award or whatever. You know, it was just like. Yeah, but he was
2: leading the nation in average yards, which then helps that defense, which USC's defense was elite then on points per game, right? Because maybe that extra ten yards changes whether they got whether the opposition can kick a field goal or not. You yeah. Know, those those things all add up. That's why it's a team sport.
1: Yeah. Right. Not
2: just a Caleb Williams to Jordan Addison sport.
1: We have is- uh let's do some questions. Uh Eric it says, is there anything to read into how some players still haven't received their helmet stickers yet? Um I don't know, like it looks like most players have it. Uh, maybe some of the new players don't, but there's still some guys that have the padding on. I really haven't paid much attention to this, so my apologies. Have any of you guys like you know any of the, the any thoughts on the helmet sticker stuff? We haven't asked the uh, we haven't asked Lincoln Riley about it yet, so I, I need to ask him about this just to kind of say, hey where we are with all this stuff.
0: I didn't think there'd be another topic that I thought would be more exhausted and over that apparently will not die, but. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean it hasn't been conspicuous. It was conspicuous in the spring, right, once we became aware of it. And and the coaches made a big deal of it. Like it meant something at that stage. At this stage, like I don't think there's been a reset. Like I don't think you have to earn your decal in the spring then re-earn it in training camp or anything like that. So everybody that left with one in theory should have one, right? Have you? Is there anyone you can think of who had one who suddenly doesn't?
1: No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there was any helmet stickers lost. Yeah, um, it was just more about the earning. But it seemed it definitely seemed more of a spring thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts, Shadi? Or
2: I, I mean, the thing is, from the viewing, I haven't seen anybody from the spring that was here in the spring that doesn't have one. I think that would definitely concern you. But I, I think it's just a process of people earning theirs, and that includes you know everyone from Jordan Addison to Eric Gentry to all the new guys. And I think it's just a product of how many new faces USC has brought in at every step along the way, yeah. including during the summer. So I think those guys just have to earn their spot, uh, you know, earn their keep on in the fall camp rather than spring camp.
1: we got a question uh, from Andrew. Here, I'll put a picture up of his subject. Uh, what's the biggest difference between an Alex Grinch coach defense and Todd Orlando coach defense so far? Any thoughts? Either one of you guys want to chime in.
0: So I'll I'll go first based on the, like you said, the kind of slivers of practice that we've been able to see. Um, One thing I will say, and this is kind of team-wide, but it happened specifically with Alex Grinch on Friday. Um, Little things are not little things. And when something gets messed up in a drill or if there's a bad single rep in a drill, it does not go uncommented on. It does not go unaddressed. And there's accountability. And so, you know, I think like Shotkin is saying, to a certain extent, they're all – the coaches are all saying the right things. The players are all saying the right things. But I will say in the small little peak that we get every every practice that we're able to be at, there are some signs that that accountability piece is real. And I would argue that's probably the most important thing that needed to happen in this program. So as far as first impressions of an Alex Grinch defense, I would say number one – There is an accountability. There are expectations, and the players are being held to them. I think the larger question to me that I want to see that I think Shotgun brought up is something we won't see in a scrimmage is how much of his previous style are we going to get at USC? He made a lot of noise and got a lot of credit for a lot of the active fronts, a lot of late movement stuff that he likes to do with guys, Um, and we'll have to see to what extent this group is a fit for that kind of stuff. But I think the best we can say right now is the accountability piece is certainly not just being talked, but it's being lived out there out on the field so far.
2: I, I mean, I think RJ, I think it, it will, will be interesting. And the most critical part will be, do, do the players on this roster fit the type of things he wants to do with those late stunts, with those late late movements and stuff that they're trying to do. And also, you know, that we had a question, what is the speed defense? And the, the thing about Alex Grinch's defense is he wants to attack. He wants to attack constantly. And that's not just with the linebackers, not just with the secondary. That's with the defense alignment too. You didn't want them to just be hold, holding up blockers and, you know, being, you know, plug guys and having someone else make plays. He wants them to get upfield and make plays as well. And sometimes – that's where some of those big plays can can come from is when you're being super aggressive and having guys go for interceptions or having guys really attack, you get that counter play, and they're not, you know, you know, focus on their their assignment and someone gets by and suddenly there's a big hole gaping there. So those are the things and that's why those details are so important. Is not only, hey, we want you to attack, we want you to be aggressive, we want you to do this, but you gotta focus on your assignment, not try to do too much and do everybody else's job, because then you slip up one time, they get behind you. And that's where there's a big gash uh, type of play. So that's the type of thing that I think is a little bit different in this defense. Now, obviously, Todd Orlando's defense was aggressive too. He wanted to attack and, and get, uh, you know, get turnovers a lot. They really focused on the turnover. And that was one of the things when his defense was going well, they were creating a ton of turnovers. But when they didn't, they were just getting chewed up for yards over yards over yards. And you're hoping that Alex Grinch's defense, if you're a USC fan, is not going to do that. They can be aggressive without giving up you know, those consistent drives because USC would just get worn down on the defensive side last season.
0: Yeah, for sure. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: Um. All right, we got another question. It's a Facebook question from Mike. Do you think, uh, he means Rayleigh, could be another Reggie Bush? And let me put a picture of him from the Coliseum practice. He's so are number 14, which is kind of a weird... Um, number i know rj you got to see him out there uh, a little bit looked pretty smooth to me what, what were your initial thoughts
0: well i think in maybe the most unfortunate one and a half seconds of our our camera footage so far of training <laughs> camp i know your camera was pointed in the other direction as he pulled in a really really impressive one-handed over-the-shoulder catch um, during warm-ups and it just looked effortless it didn't there was no struggle or strain and in watching him very briefly I think that's kind of the theme like I think he moves freely out there he moves easily out there and nothing looks difficult now obviously we're not seeing him try to do the difficult stuff you know such as running between the tackles in an 11 on 11 situation so we kind of have to wait on that and it's such an extreme form of the question like is he going to be Reggie Bush like he could not be Reggie Bush and still be quite good. So, you know, I, I think, I think what we've seen of him is worth liking. I think that's the best thing to say, say so far. And, and, and I think he's going to play a role. I think there are going to be maybe not a specialized package or maybe there will be, but I think they're going to find a way to put the ball in his hands at least five times a game to start, because I just think, why wouldn't you, you know? Yeah.
1: could be like a Dory Jackson kind of package or something. And, uh, I, I think I remember asking, like, Kyle McDonald about how they're going to use him, and he wouldn't answer. And we're probably going to see him more of a, you know, kind of a slot guy in the beginning. But he definitely looks like a special talent. They're not very deep at, at running back. So even if you love, like, Travis Dye and, and Austin Jones and Darren Barlow, like like Shotgun always says, like, a couple of guys are probably going to get hurt. So he might be – you might start him off with a slot, but he could be between the tackle guy, like – with you know within a couple games who knows
2: look really brown is not going to be reggie bush let's just start there okay bush is 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 his own person his own category and really brown is going to do different things than reggie bush he's going to be in the slot more he's going to be actually a wide receiver that plays some running back he's going to be a running back that plays wide receiver and yeah i think he's got that electricity though that's what you look at and you go, hmm. you know, it has those Reggie Bush-like qualities because of the electricity. And, you know, RJ mentions the one-handed catch. You're seeing him go up against the nation's best linebackers in the opening and just dominating them, absolutely dusting them, whether it be in the cat-and-mouse drill where they're trying to, you know, come up and make a tackle at an angle, or in the, you know, even worse was any time someone tried to guard him, you know, in coverage. You can't put a linebacker on him you just can't do it. I don't care. You name any linebacker that is in college right now, I will take Riley Brown over them immediately. He is just so dynamic and when he's in the slot there's so much space to work with that he is going to be a weapon and I think that the quote that I would go back to is Josh Follow talking about, you know, what what happens in Raleigh's offense. He said, "Hey, if you take care of your business, you know, off the field as well as on the field, if you're a baller, He's gonna get the ball to you. And Relique Brown is a baller. So I expect him to make some, you know, some electric plays. Now, is he gonna be anything close to Reggie Bush? I don't know. I don't know if he'll be that. Can he have that potential? Yes, I think he does. I think he has the potential to be and not be Reggie Bush, not have the same highlights, but have some electric highlights and potentially a couple years down the road be in, you know, some conversations about New York City.
1: Nice um, by the way we're almost to 500 live viewers on our just on our YouTube channel alone we gotta like push through Chris numbers with RJ here so make sure tell your friends <laughs> jump on here get an extra couple streams like it will be like Chris will just be a little hurt a little bit if uh, like oh RJ came out and we have like record numbers of people watching but no, but thanks everyone for watching live we appreciate it and if you're watching on uh, on any of the replays we appreciate that as well. Let me pull up another question for you guys another uh, Facebook question. Uh, from Brandon, uh, how has been show, uh, who, I think it means who has been showing leadership qualities and who do you think will be the team captains? Either one of you guys want to jump in?
2: I mean, I think the obvious answers are Caleb Williams and Shane Lee are going to be, you know, your, your top two captains, um, you know, from the offensive defense, they were at media day. Everyone has mentioned their names over and over. Um, after that, that's where it gets more interesting. I think, you know, do you go, is it one of the offense alignments so that Brett Elon or Andrew Voorhees or Justin Didich have been there for four or five, six years? You know, a lot of people have talked about how Justin Didich has really stepped up and, and been a leader this offseason. So I think the, you know, if you're, if you're kind of looking at it and hey, there's going to be one more on offense, one more on defense uh, and not a punter, not a punter like last year. Uh, No offense to Bryn Griffiths, but we're not going to have any punters be captains. But if you're looking at one more on offense, one more on defense, you know, my guess is would be an offensive lineman and then potentially either Makai Blackman or – you know, someone like Tuli Tule, Tule Pelo, too. Even though I don't know that is necessarily the most vocal guy, but a lot of people look at him because he can make plays and because he does everything right and is one of the, co- the coach's favorites, uh, uh, every coaching staff he's been a part of, um, that, that maybe he's a guy. I think Nick Figueroa is also in there. You know, there's a, there's a lot of options on the defensive side that's kind of a lot open as well. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of come up with it.
1: USC had a punter as their captain last year. Is it, they went four and eight. Is there a coincidence? I don't know, but I'm just saying the focus on special teams was like <laughs> something I harped on for so long. And it just shotgun saying that again was like Ben Griffiths, a great guy. I mean, he was, he was a leader. He was 30 years old or whatever. Like, I mean, there people looked up to him like a dad on the team, but he was one of your captains. Like just all like when if you want to feel optimism about this USC football team in 2022 the one thing you have to look at is there were so many decisions that were like that we would question like why did you do that why did you do that and now you're not and you're like oh that makes sense that makes sense and you just feel like there's going to be just be, you know better leadership on the team more accountability all that kind of stuff but all those decisions when you're someone in a position of power there's a lot of decisions you have to make some of them are high profile some of them are not And it feels like the ones that are being made, they could be high profile decisions. They could just be run of the mill everyday ones, but you're making the right ones. And you feel like there were just so many before guys that were like, why why did you do that? Like, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Like, the the analogy I always do is like, you know, you get a parking ticket and you like throw it away. Like, you know, it's like, it's not going to ruin your life. You do it 10 times and then you walk outside and there's a boot on your car. You're like, all those little decisions that you made, like that added up to, now, your life is, you know, things are bad. And now you have to like go, you know, you have, your, tar got, your car got towed or whatever it is. Um, just all those decisions. It's, it's just one of those other things where you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, they did that. Like, why did they do that? I don't know. Sorry, my little tangent I the, there.
2: I think <laughs> the biggest thing that it tells you about that team that there was a punter, not that there's anything wrong with Big Griffiths. And again, like you said, he's an older guy. A lot of people looked up to him. He was really respected in the locker room. Is that, they didn't have enough players stepping up to be true leaders on that team. And I think that's what partially showed in that four and eight, the fact that there was that divide in the locker room of California versus Texas for a little while, you know, a lot of things that where if you had the true leaders and guys to step up and you had the coaching staff to to lead them to the spot where they're supposed to be, to help them be leaders, you know, I think all that adds up. And, you know, that's why you end up having a punter because, you know, no one else has really stepped forward and been that. Whereas, like I said, there's a lot of options this year because, you know, I've heard multiple guys mention. I mentioned those three different older offensive linemen. I've heard a lot of positive things about Portland Ford as a leader as well. So, you know, I, I think it's very interesting, you know, hearing multiple people say, oh, this guy's really stepped up as a leader this year. And, you know, I, you can't pick all of them. You're going to have 14 captains. Uh, so, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who the other two are outside of Shane Lee and Caleb Williams.
1: USC did have, like, six captains one year. Uh, I think that was the one, like, year Josh Shaw was a captain and then had to like had that whole incident thing that was crazy. But...
2: Excuse me, sir. Your captainhood has been revoked.
1: Right. But luckily they had, like, six of them, so there's still five left. So it wasn't, you know, like, if you're like, oh, we might lose a captain, let's name a few extra. Um, We have a question from uh, Najee, it looks like. Who do you guys think will start at the linebacker spots? What what do you got, RJ? We'll go go you first.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay. The linebacker spots. Well, first of all, that position's been deleted, undeleted, altered, (laughs) edited. Like, the linebacker. So, I mean, I think we can go further than pencil and pen Shane Lee and I think if he's if he's healthy, I think he's going to be in there. Um, as far as the guy next to him, it's tough because, you know, Eric Gentry comes in with a first-year pedigree that strongly suggests they'd like to get him on the field and probably should get him on the field. But he's been limited so far and hasn't been able to, to spend a lot of days and he hasn't been able – he hasn't been out there full contact. He hasn't done a lot of things and also just in – You know, kind of looking at him, he doesn't look like a middle linebacker. And when we asked Lincoln Riley about it, he said that there's kind of very much been a spoon feeding approach with him and trying to just give him some very basic stuff and build on that progressively, but not in any way in a hurry. Because I think, you know, one of the things we heard from Chris Cartman, who uh, who was our 247 Arizona State guy, is that he thinks that Eric Gentry can play in a lot of different places at that second level so it remains to be seen because i know a lot of us i think chris wrote wrote about this in his depth chart projections a lot of people wrote off rayland goforth um and rayland goforth had a good spring and i think he finished at the top of chris's depth chart projection so until we hear or see that someone has moved rayland goforth off that i think you got to kind of look at him um romello height as the the edge linebacker i think until Corey Foreman takes that job away from him, it seems like he's he's the guy you're looking at um, there. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, I think that's, those are the best ones you can say with any kind of certainty, but I think as Shotgun said, a lot of this is truly unknown. Like, not only do we not know the pecking order, but I don't think a lot of these guys have found maybe their permanent homes just yet. Yeah, I I think
2: that's a good point, uh, just because, You've got new guys coming in, so now, hey, if Eric Gentry does take over a middle linebacker spot, and the question is, is that where he finally ends up? um, Okay, do you move somebody else? Or does Raylan Goforth just become a backup? Can you move him anywhere else? We've heard Rajon Davis playing a little bit of safety potentially. um, So, you know, who gets moved around? And that's the thing with the – a, a roster that has constantly been evolving since, you know, Lincoln Riley was hired. There has just been constant uh, evolution of this roster to where it makes it that much difficult. And I think a big question is Shane Lee's health. He struggled to stay healthy at Alabama at times. If he's banged up a little bit now, you wonder when he gets in, he's a, you know, a big physical guy that likes to hit get in that hole and, you know, really stuff plays, you know, can he stay healthy when that happens? You know, when he's trying to make you know, 15 tackles a game, So now do you have to do you feel like uh, he might get banged up so we can't move somebody because we got to make sure there's an extra backup? There's just a lot of moving pieces there. And I I think, again, RJ brings up a great point. You just don't know because I don't think everything is solidified right now. If I were guessing who would start tomorrow, I would think it would be Raylan Goforth and if healthy, Shane Lee. Uh, But, you know, is Shane Lee healthy? And you know, is Air Gentry where's that? I think they want to get Eric Gentry on the field. They got to find a place for him, and he's a guy that maybe he has to come along slow, and he takes a series, uh, a couple series a game, and then by the end of the season, he's the guy that's starting. And you know, has moved somebody else out of the way, and maybe that's at middle linebacker. Maybe it's not working at middle linebacker. And they move him back to the outside where he had some success at Arizona State. You know, I think it's a good problem to have to have versatile guys. But when everything is evolving and you got moving pieces. It's also you know, a, a little bit of a hassle to figure out where are we going to place everybody and what's the best spot for everyone so that you don't have Drake Jackson dropping into coverage too many times a game. Or you don't have something else, you know a player out of position. And I, lo- I know a lot of people bring up Drake Jackson, bring up Sue Cravens, but you, know, you also don't talk about Deion Bailey getting moved to linebacker and suddenly that was a really good move. Sometimes coaches try out some experiments. Sometimes it works, sometimes they don't. You just don't want to be your best – athletic defenders not be, being out of position and not being able to make plays
1: all right let's go to our next question this is a youtube one from alex in regards to stay doubted and boulevard llc who owns these companies are they for-profit companies or are they not for profit um so you know stay doubted i think the michael jones i believe is the ceo of that i don't know all about the you know we've had them on our podcast so you can kind of listen to sort of what they had to say and boulevard is the uh, the usc kind of wing of that um you know spencer harris is is a part of that uh they're not they're for-profit companies they're not um they're not like uh, charitable organizations maybe they do it at some point we know the new usc um collective the booster run collective uh they had filed for 50 c3 501 c3 status like the charitable status kind of thing um, but, you know, this is the one that the, the Boulevard is what USC sort of is embracing. They want, you know, when we've heard from Lincoln Riley, who wasn't he was just more kind of middle of the road. But like Mike Bowen had kind of made it clear when he talked to the L.A. Times that, you know, they wanted uh, the boosters to really support the Boulevard one. And, uh, you know, it, it provides a lot of services for USC student athletes, um, you know, with NIL deals and, you know, not just that, but like representation you know, tax advice, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's a confusing space. Uh, I I know there seems to be some sort of like little feud or whatever going on right now. I I feel like everyone's going to start playing along and it's going to work out um, down the road. But and you guys have any thoughts on the the NIL stuff? It's it's just so weird. It's, you know, it's only been around about a year or so, so it's all it's all kind of weird.
0: Well, I think that's the big thing that you hit on is that anything we say now, literally. By the time this gets posted or someone rewatches it, like in two hours or 12 hours, it could literally be out of date and stale because something new could have happened. So I think you got to tread lightly. I think in the big picture sense, this is the Wild West era of it all where we don't have uniform enforcement of the rules and we don't have uniform, uniform enforcement of rules. You're not going to have voluntary enforcement of rules. And so, or you're not going to have rules at all to a certain extent. So I think there's going to be a lot of speculation when we talk about why did this recruit go to that school? Why did he not go to this school? What's going on with players? How are these transfer deals done? And I think you're just going to have to be comfortable with the chaos for a while because, you know, Sean Nua actually said this kind of explicitly, kind of, he was kind of worried about saying it. If you remember at media day, Ryan, but you know, he said, if, if, if I were the czar, if he were the czar of the NCAA, one of the things he would be doing is be saying, let's be proactive. Why are we yeah. sitting here watching this happen and not doing anything as if we're not the governing body in charge of it all, right? And so I have seen no indication that the NCAA is suddenly going to get aggressive or take the initiative on this. So I think the chaos and the confusion is going to go on a little bit longer and it's just something you're gonna kind of have to get used to and and it's just business. And Lincoln Riley has talked about it, that now that he's had his boots on the ground for the past few months recruiting, it matters. This stuff is coming up. This stuff is making a difference in recruiting wins and recruiting losses, Yeah, you know? And I think that's, we're just gonna to have to be in that uncomfortable spot in the history of this right now and the evolution of it, because I don't see anyone taking charge of it at this point.
1: Yeah. Real quick, I just wanna point out, look down below, uh, Kings fan says, R.J. has good chemistry with you guys. Give him the middle chair on a regular basis. They're already kicking Chris
0: out. Look at that, R.J. Nice job. <laughs> Chris, I hope that concert well, they, is good, they want, man.
2: They want Chris to come in and me just slide
0: out. I think that's the, the best way to do it.
1: Oh, okay, nice. Well, th- th- thanks, Kings fan. Hope you, you know, we, yeah. we have, the good thing is we have a bunch of talent here at USCfootball.com. People that do great work. So my apologies for not having R.J. on any of the shows uh, earlier, but it's been fun. And Shawty, go,
0: go uh, Kings. That's the LA Kings we're assuming, right? I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah. Definitely not go Sacramento Kings. They yeah. can just go, period, But as in leave. But,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, Andrew had a question. Pass-to-run ratio. I'm sorry. Did you have something, Shadi?
2: Are we in a rapid-fire mode now, Ryan? Let's it's try to rapid-fire. Closer fire. to the, to yeah, the we're, uh, moment. Yeah, uh, we want to get out of here close to the top. On the NIL to, to, to finish up that topic. Archie... Points out it could change it in two hours, but the thing with a lot of people talking about the student body right is they're not trying to be, uh, you know, active and be, uh, you know, a, a, a willing participant until twenty twenty three. So there's still time for USC and them to mend their borders or whatever along the way. Uh, but you know, I think that, that tells you that things are still progressing for USC as they're trying to figure out the landscape as a whole.
1: Yeah. Uh Andrew wants to know about the run the pass ratio. I think it's going to be probably like a 57, 43. What do you guys think?
0: So Lincoln Riley, if you look just at last year, it was a lot closer to 50, 50 than I expected it to be. But I think the asterisk of that is the when. Right? Okay. Like when Oklahoma last year was trying to put points on the board, I would bet that that ratio was more two out of three passes, three out of four passes then you get up two or three scores and, you run and you're running the ball. So the sum total makes it look like, oh, there's some balance there. And I think there, I think there's more balance in his offense than he gets credit for. But I do think it's more about the when. And this team is going to lead with the pass. Let's just be yeah. honest about that. And, that. and that's both in quantity and quality. I think the yards and the points are going to come from the pass. But I don't think that the ratio – if Lincoln Riley has his way, it shouldn't be seriously skewed at the end of any of these games, and certainly not at the end of the season. Way to not rapid-fire it, RJ. Sorry. No, you're good. I'm I'm going to take uh, 52-48
2: pass to run. And you got to also factor in the fact that Caleb Williams is a running quarterback, so they're going to design some plays for him. So I I think that adds to it um, where you give him those options where he can roll out and take off if he needs to.
1: All right, uh, here's one from uh, Adler. Do you think C.J. Williams gets on the two deep? What I mean, the think?
2: fact that he's he's already getting some first-team opportunities, at least early in practice, and he's getting a lot of rave reviews. Um, you know, big-bodied wide receiver coming in for modern day. You know he can you know h- handle the spotlight, so I wouldn't be surprised. But it's going to be really tough to see who actually makes it on the actual depth chart. And how accurate that actually is because if you're going 10, 11 deep, like they've said they they could, then the two deep may not matter that much.
1: Yeah. He's looked good though. Uh, we, we have some footage of him going up there. So definitely check him out. Uh, there's, we got big T 37. How much more swole does the entire team look now? And I think he means yoked, right? Like that's what Chris says. I, I have to, that's the word he had to teach me. He's like, he's like, Ryan, how's that guy look? Yoked. Um, This
2: question is for you. you. It is for me.
1: I think there's, there's, uh, there's, I I love talking to Benny Wiley. He's great. Um, so it's kind of, I've had a little bit of good rapport with him just kind of walking by. They look pretty, they look pretty yoked out there. You know, there's just some dudes like, uh, they they look good to me. I don't know. what do you guys think?
0: Yeah. I think there's been a couple, there's been a couple instances where we're like, oh, okay. He's had, he's had the Benny Wiley kind of experience. I think what was interesting though, is a lot of the players have talked about, um, it's not been, it's not been so I'm trying to do this rapidly, but again, <laughs> it's not the volume. It's not like, Oh, I've put on 10 pounds. I've put on 12 pounds. It's I'm essentially the same weight, but five pounds of fat went away. X pounds of muscle have been added Yeah, kind of a thing. And I think that is something that, again, that's going to have to show up when we see them playing football. But as far as like the airport test, yeah, it seems like there's been less pizza. <laughs> All right, I like that. Airport more testing. ripped.
2: Less, less swole necessarily or yoked, but definitely more ripped from the, the the conversations with players and stuff.
1: All right. Alex wants to know, which former USC quarterback will have a better season in 2022? So I assume he's talking about, like, Jackson Dart,
2: Keaton Slovis. Or JT Daniels. This is a yeah. great question. I love this question. Another question. I think it was maybe also from Alex, but also which former USC coach will have the better season in 2022? Clay Helton, Lane Kiffin, or Steve Sarkeesian? Ooh. And that's a tough one as well. Um, I think Lane Kiffin's probably the front runner there. But, you know, you can Lane's see the in the
1: start. He's in the SEC, though. Like It's like, you and know. He lost
2: his quarterback. But now he's got Jackson Dart. And True. Jackson Dart just put up some really big numbers in their spring game. So I'm going to say Jackson, or not spring game, excuse me, their uh, scrimmage they just had yesterday or today. And I'm going to take Jackson Dart in Lane Kiffin's offense.
0: All right. I like that. What, what do you think, RJ? Uh, on that, okay, for the quarterbacks, I'll say Keaton Slovis. Okay. Because I think he's walking into the, he's walking into a relatively stable situation without a lot of pressure. And expectations. Conference
1: champions on him.
0: Yeah, he's walking into a good team, but also I don't think he's going to be expected to be what he was expected to be for USC a year ago. Um, coach wise, yeah, I'd go with Lane Kiffin. I think he's in a he's in a good spot. And Texas, you know, if there's a team with more variables right now than USC, I think it's probably Texas on the national scene. So who knows what they're going to look like. <sighs>
1: Yeah, Texas was like, what, five and seven last year, lost to Kansas. I kind of feel like they're going to have a big turnaround. They recruited well. I might go with Sark on the coaching. And uh, I don't think it's going to be JT Daniels. I don't think West Virginia is going to be that good. um that
2: Graham Harrell's offense. What are you talking about?
1: I know. About? That's why I'm definitely not picking that. I would say, actually, first year. Okay, first year you guys all really, picked that too. It's been really good. Sure, I'll go JT Daniels. I'll go because it's the first year. <laughs> uh, but I think Sark has the best uh, season. Um, Adler again. Uh, question: Is there one shocking loss? If if there's one shocking loss this season, which team do you think it comes from? I mean, I don't know if it'd be shocking, but like Oregon State.
2: is not shocking.
1: No, Oregon State was undefeated at home last year. Now half their stadium's blown up. Uh, I asked Luke Musgrave, their awesome tight end, like, "Hey, what's it going to be like when USC comes there?" Are they going? And he just was very like middle of the road, like, eh, "It doesn't matter. It wasn't like a big deal." But I think that's going to be. There's going to be a lot of hate for USC on the road, so it'd probably be a road game. If you, I don't know if you want to call Oregon State a shocking loss, but you know, it's week four. Um, I'll probably go with that one because I think it's going to be a tough to go up to Carvallis and get a win. What do you guys think?
0: If they lose to Washington State at home, that's a that would be shocking. Anyone who says they saw that coming, you know, unless there's some you know circumstances where you know, a ton of guys aren't available going into that game. That's that would be utterly stunning. The only other contender would be Colorado, but Colorado is in a very nice Ooh. trap game slot on the schedule. Colorado. Are
2: they game? They are you know, so bad.
0: They are, and I'm yeah, saying they're any like other 0-12 place 0-12 watch. That would be shocking. Any sure. other place on the schedule, I would pick Colorado cuz they are atrocious. And I actually yeah. think Washington State's a pretty well-coached group and not I think they should yeah. be decent.
1: No, they'll be decent.
0: But Colorado, you know, you've got UCLA after that, you know, you're coming off the game against the homecoming game against Cal. Maybe, but uh-huh. I mean, yeah. What do you think, Shotty?
2: I mean, I think Washington State is the the proper shocking one. Yeah. As in.
1: Like it's losable no play, and it would be shocking. Yeah.
2: It would vaguely lose. Them. Like you would not expect that at all. Um, but maybe could happen. Colorado ain't no way in hell. USC is losing to Colorado. No, I, don't give, I don't give it. They don't even care last about any year trapping uh, they they're they're just they were just so bad last year and I don't think they got And that USC
1: much beat better. them badly last year. I was like I was actually on like a I think it was on a bachelor party or something that weekend. I'd even like I was watching the game like on my phone like on the golf course. Like it was just it was like yeah, they're going to win that game. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um but yeah, but Washington State that was USC's best win last year. Uh on the road, that was uh Dante Williams' first game. So it'd be a little shocking, but I do like what Jake Dickert's done there. I think they're going to be a good team. They bring in—I I can't wait to see Cameron Ward, the the uh, the the FCS transfer. He just like lit it up um, before, so he's going to be fun to watch.
2: And he comes with his uh, his head coach or offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, Cardone, yeah. Cardone, Ward. Yeah. So there's definitely already a connection there. So that they could be an interesting team. And USC was not as good as they were last year against Washington State. Remember defensive touchdown defense forced multiple um, turnovers. I think there was a fourth down stop as well. A lot of things went USC's way in that game. Delora got hurt week. Yeah. Yeah. Delora got hurt. Uh, They hurt multiple quarterbacks actually in that game. So, you know, all that added up to USC blowing them out, but, You know, USC has been in some dog fights with Washington
1: State over the years. Yeah, and that definitely the best, I think the most impressive win, but like Shotgun said. Uh, Anthony, the offensive line coach is also the co-offensive coordinator, uh, right? And what kind of capacity?
2: All right, so this is how this works. You know, Lincoln Riley is your play caller. Lincoln Riley is going to be the primary game planner, but Josh Henson, as the offensive line coach, he's kind of the run game coordinator too. They give that title. Remember, this is all about titles. What yeah. he's actually going to do in the week leading up is he's going to be in the room with with Lincoln Riley, putting together the plan and telling him, hey, these are the run plays I think are going to work best. That's going to be the primary focus for Josh Henson. That's usually what your offensive line coach is doing. And the fact that he's got that title, he'll probably have a little tiny bit more say than your other coaches in the room. But Lincoln Riley's going to be calling all the plays, and it's going to be Lincoln Riley's offense.
1: Yeah. Uh, here's a YouTube question from Alex. Which current USC players could you see as a future head coach? I love this one. Anyone off the top of your head? Oh, that
0: is a good one. Let's see. Nick Figueroa. Oh, that's a good one. I, would, I think I Nick, could Nick could definitely be. I could see him as a high school, like a total Friday Night Lights <laughs> type of a situation, going back to the hometown or something like that. Um, Uh,
2: Justin Dietrich or Brett Nielon, I think.
0: Yeah.
2: Offensive linemen often can make very good coaches as well, especially high school coaches. So those would be ones that kind of stand out for me.
1: Yeah. Good one. All right. Um, Thanks for that question. I had to put up an HR pick and stuff because, like, it's, you know, it's such a great name. uh, Utah versus Florida in the swamp. Who do you got? I got the Utes. I think they're going to go in there. Utah's like, a, I mean, I. Florida's like a middle of the road SEC team, and Utah, I think, is legit.
2: But Florida does have a good quarterback in Anthony Richardson. So, and they've got a lot of momentum from the off season just with Billy Napier, and I think he's you know getting everybody to buy in. So, a little bit of danger there, more so than if it you know they were returning Dan Mullen. But I still got Utah winning that too. I think Utah's very vastly over, underrated on the national scale.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Any, what do you think, RJ? I mean. Big thing from last year, right? Utah Utah in general is kind of not necessarily known for getting out of the gate really quickly. But last year, they didn't have Cameron Rising. As soon as they put him in, things were looking pretty good. They've got that going for them this year. Right now, I'll say they they go in. It's going to be a close game. I don't think they're just going to go in there and just run Florida. But I think they go in and get that win. Yeah. Go veteran pack. defense they always have a
2: good defense they got veteran dbs now clark phillips is probably going to make a play probably get a pick six uh why usc never went after him still beyond me
1: yeah crazy i i think Cam rising is going to be a stud like our you know you guys are saying like once they put him in it was a whole different team uh from your fave sheed uh riley's oklahoma team struggled against the baylors Kansas States and Iowa States in the Big 12. I don't know about struggle. They won the conference four out of five years, but whatever. Uh, which Pac-12 team resembles those teams? I mean, you start with Utah, I think, with the toughness factor, uh, for sure. Um, anyone else you kind of like that you would say, oh, this is a team you could see.
2: I got time to break down all the Big Twelve games too. I mean, I have t- tough enough time watching all the Pac twelve games in between covering USC. So uh, you know, I, I don't have a great answer on this one. I don't think. I don't think I, yeah. I see any straight correlations there, like like you might think.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a defensive coach in the Pac twelve in the league of Dave Aranda. Right. I think what Baylor was able to do to both, you know, Oklahoma and Caleb Williams specifically is not was not duplicatable because it was more teams would have done it right you know he struggled he struggled in three games basically that were all kind of clustered together but i think a lot of that has to do with him being a freshman but also there aren't that many coaches like dave aranda out there who can really put you in uncomfortable positions
1: yeah uh Shorty, do you have any more Rapid fire ones you want to go through, or we'll do a couple more and get get us out. HR of here.
2: picking stuff also said, uh, is uh, does Rice get beat by more than two TDs? And the answer is hell yeah, they get I mean, beat are you kidding? More than two TDs.
1: In the first quarter, yes.
2: What's your prediction? Let's just go with that. What's your guys' score prediction right now? Just through one week of camp, well, one 4 week of camp, you know, having seen what we've seen about them, and maybe this will change by the time we get to the game and make game predictions and injuries and stuff, we'll play to that too, but. What's your score prediction right now?
0: I mean 66-14.
1: Wow. Yeah, I think I think USC puts up a 50 burger. Uh I don't know about 60. That'd be pretty big, but I don't think I don't think rice is very good. Um, so I'm gonna do like a a 52-17 kind of thing.
2: I I'm Lincoln Riley's gonna want to put up those points in the opener. I'm putting a 70. Whoa! A 70, and maybe it's at the fault of your defense gives up some points too. Maybe it's like 70 21, uh, 70 17, somewhere in there. But I think they're going to put up a ton of points. You want to come out with a big bang in your first game, you know, not save everything like you normally would in an opener. You break out a trick play, maybe even, you know, whatever. Uh, just to get the fans involved and have them excited after one game
0: yeah i mean i don't even think it's going to take a trick play like this is a rice team that is the worst combination where you're talking about a severely limited roster that's in total turmoil by the way not to self-plug or anything but you know doing my little opponent primer during the season mike mike bloomgren who is a name with which i have some previous familiarity um it's not going great over there so they're not even getting along it's not even like a scrappy tight-knit group of underdogs it's like why are we here Kind of a situation. And the only reason I wouldn't say 70 is that's a coaching threshold number. That's like a, you know, kind of a coach's fraternity number. Yeah, Keep it under 70 and you can kind of look the guy in the eyes and shake hands. You put it over 70 and ouch.
2: Hey, I'm making a statement my first game. I'm here. We're going to blow shit up. And it's going to (laughs) be, we're going to blow up the scoreboard with points, putting a 70 burger up in the first one. Nice. Uh Hugo asks, is the physicality that is now in place a concern for player injury or better that their bodies are getting used to being physical?
1: Better that they're used to getting physical. 100%. Like you get hurt you more. Gotta be when physical. You're, yeah. You got to be physical. Yes, you might get injured, but that's, you got to test yourself.
0: And, we're, uh, we're a long way away from being worried about an overcorrection with this team right. <laughs> in terms of physicality. So, yeah, err on the side of that until it becomes obvious you've gone too far. And they're not even close to if you haven't gone too far, in my, yeah. in my estimation.
2: Roman, what defensive players are standing out so far? Uh,
1: I mean, it's really hard to tell because we can't really watch a whole bunch of stuff. Um have to but,
2: kind of go off the coaches, and, you know, what we're yeah. hearing and what some of the players are saying as well.
1: But like I say, you're right. is someone that's been working with the ones, uh, you know, knowing that Romello Height is, you know, keeping his job there. Where you're just like, all right, he's coming in. And yeah, he got pressures. He never had a sack in college. I just think he's going to have a big year, you know, someone like that. So uh yeah, he's a couple of guys that would stand out that we can't see, but just from what you hear from people, it seems like those guys are going to be good.
0: Yeah, I think in terms of stuff that we're hearing that we can't, you know, necessarily publicize explicitly, Kalen Bullock. I mean, there have been, and it's not just the frequency, but like what people are saying. Like he's making plays where it's like, I didn't think there was a chance he'd make that play yeah. or like I didn't. Yeah. It never even occurred to me. He would make that play. And there's been more than a few of those that have come up. I think he's, I think he's, he's a special guy that doesn't show that maybe in an interview for him. Like you don't necessarily realize he's as good as he is, but I, I really think he takes a big step forward this year.
1: Yeah. I think with Anthony was talking to you shotgun on your podcast. And he was like, they used to call him sticks. Now they call him double sticks. He's, he's definitely <laughs> bigger, you know?
2: Getting a little more bulk. Yeah. Uh, he came in at something like 155, 160. <laughs> so there was plenty of room to improve there. Yeah. Um, and it's great to see, you know, his, his personality is infectious. If you've ever been around him, uh, just covering a couple of his high school games. So it's going to be fun when he makes a play. Watch everyone else how excited they are when he makes a play. Uh, that's the type of player he is. Another guy could say it every time, but Tuli Tuli pelotu everyone keeps talking about yes. all the plays that he's making as well. Kenneth Wynn asked, and I don't know how well you guys know the recruiting class, if you can think of anything off the top of your head, but for each of you, of all the current committed players, who is your favorite? And, you know, there's some great options here. I mean, Taka Curtis, the linebacker, that's a, some fun film to watch. But I, being a former wide receiver, I can't help but go in with a wide receiver. Makai Lemon and Zachariah Branch, both those guys are just so much fun to watch. Both of them do it in kind of different ways. Makai Lemon is like, Another Amon Ross St. Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown was so fun to watch because how technically sound he was on everything. So those are my my co-choices there. I don't know if you guys have anybody.
1: I mean, Zachariah Branch, like I just I went out to Bishop Gorman to talk with him for a little while and his, you know, his brother. And yeah, I he's he's great. I think he's awesome. I mean, there's a lot of great options, like you said, but he would be my favorite. RJ,
0: I'm not going to say a favorite. I think the most important one so far is Micah Benuelos. Okay. Because at least he's he's a two four seven four star and he's a composite three star, but he does kind of break the ice on that closer to top shelf offensive lineman that they're trying to get. I know the tackles get all the attention and those are kind of the celebrity offensive line recruits, but they have to start somewhere, and I think getting a guy as good as him, even though he's an interior guy for the moment, I think that's the big thing. I think any noisemakers on the line of scrimmage is immediately the most important guy in the class, in my mind.
1: Cool. All right. We should probably uh, wrap it up. You got it. You want to do a couple of quick ones or what do we got?
2: Uh, 38.02 or could you ever, could we ever see Lincoln Riley each out of kale Gundy about replacing the late Dave Nichols with some more experienced coach wise, the inside receiver position they've got Luke cured. They're not going to reach out to someone who was just involved in something that was really weird to begin no. with. Um, after seeing the coaching staff, it, you know what the, this coaching staff is running at the beginning of the fall camp. How bad was the help regime compared to this year from last? Can we just skip on, forget about yeah. last year? It's, it's just. It's, if you see it, this team do really right. well,
1: you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Compared to previous seasons of less, um, much less physical fall camps, are the number of players on Rehive Island greater than, less than, or same as previous seasons? And I'm going to caveat that at this point I would say that so far still less, than, less than a lot of times they would come in with multiple guys already on it and USC so far and knock on wood they have no seizing any injuries and we hope that stays that way yeah um, and, and then another recruiting one I know Shadi doesn't like hypotheticals but if we lose Malachi Nelson who's expected to fill that void or how are we going to fill it new rec- recruiting target or portal uh, Carlos asked the same question if he de- decommits where would Riley turn his attention I think that's too far in advance to think of, and that would really hurt the recruiting class. So uh, let's see if uh, USC can figure out a way to lock that one down.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Just want to thank, uh, shout out to RJ for joining us. We weren't sure if he wanted to come on. He's doing great. He was a fan favorite. People were saying positive things about you. Usually come on and people just like throw darts at you. Like they were, it seems pretty positive, right? So that's good. Uh, so, Chris, you're out. RJ's in now. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> like, just Chris, like, starts loving it. And then he's, but, yeah, we'd love to get you on some other. We'll have to get you on some podcasts and stuff, too, if you want to do that. But uh, thank you guys uh, so much for spending and uh, coming out. And Brian, ever-
2: one more. Okay. One more real quick. Um, and I know you cover your ears. I got a question. How much is USC truly recruiting Bronny James, LeBron James' son? Are there really oh. a contention? How overrated is he? And three or four weeks ago, Adam Finkelstein, uh, or Steen, uh, from, 24 uh, seven sports said, basically, it looks like he's going to go pro. That has changed in the last year. has. Years. Yeah. And, and it sounds like USC will be one of the teams in contention. I know USC has recruited Sierra Canyon in the past. He's a guy they've had their eye on, but the question has always been, ah, will he even go to college? You know, how's it going to be? And is it worth a one and done? Le- Le- LeBron James has really stepped his game up and become more of a lead guard this year, whereas in the past for his Sierra Canyon teams, he just kind of filled his role, filled his role. This year he's taken that step forward and become more of the centerpiece uh, on his AAU teams and stuff. Averaged 18 points, I think it was, 17, 18 points at the Peach Jam, which is the, one of the biggest uh, you know high school basketball events. So USC is going to be in that, and if they get him, That would be a huge addition for them, even if it is only a one and done, I think. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. And that's something that we'll be uh, looking into as well to try to get you guys some updates on that one.
1: Sounds good. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Uh, Our friend Brandon, he wants more Facebook questions. Put more up there. We tried. I tried to include a bunch of Facebook questions today. So thank you guys for everyone who was watching on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, or if you're watching uh, our replay on any of those platforms or listening to this on a podcast platform Later on, we put up. We do appreciate you tuning into the show. They've been very popular. And so thank you so much for being a part of it. It really makes it fun, especially the interactive part of it where you guys ask questions in real time. Love that stuff. Uh, we just, we got an intern coming. He's going to help out with the show uh, starting next week. So we should be able to start taking live calls and stuff again. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So we're getting this ramped up, season ramped up. We're getting ready to go. I uh, just booked an Airbnb, RJ, for the Stanford game. So we're all going to be up there for that one. Great. So it's good. Yeah. Uh, but you guys are both sleeping on the same couch. Is that cool? Are you good with that? And I go, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but... <laughs>
2: I can't I can't be near a Stanford
1: person. Come on. No, that's okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But- well Keeley called it RJ Week last week. It was more <laughs> more attention than I cared to have, but I guess what matters is that we'll all be there. We
1: will all be there for sure. But we're really excited to be ramping up for the season. Uh, so make sure you check out USAFootball.com. Tons of content going up. We're getting everything ramped up. Uh, all kinds of interviews and analysis and everything. So we appreciate all of you tuning in to all of that. So for Um, shotgun Spratling RJ right here. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will talk to you guys next time.